the Lord. Hey, tell your neighbor, I'm glad you're sitting by me today. And you may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. Morning to you that are watching online. We are glad you've checked in with us today. We are continuing a series called Spiritual Terrorism. Spiritual Terrorism. It's about winning the battle against an unseen enemy. Now, the secular world, the humanistic world tells us there is no God. There's nothing spiritual. There's nothing out there except maybe UFOs. That's a hot topic now. But uh, they tell us there's nothing out there. There's no God. There's no devil. There's no demons. There's no angels. But the Bible is very clear that not only God exists, but the devil, a fallen angel, exists. And uh, these, are, these are the demons. Well, we've been talking about this series about the battle that we fight uh, the devil is not in hell. Uh, his demons are not sitting around watching TV. Uh, they are deliberately trying to deceive and confuse and lie to people, trying to bring us in bondage, trying to uh, harm us in, in a multitude of ways. And as we've read in the Bible, that we're not passive to his attacks. The Bible says to resist the devil, and he'll do what? He'll flee. So first we humble ourselves before God, total dependence on Him, and that's where the strength comes from. But we resist and He flees. Now last week, uh, we talked about how Satan controlled and manipulated Judas Iscariot, a little picture up there, to betray Jesus. Now Satan didn't come to Jesus one day. Uh, J Judas was the treasurer of the disciples' money. He didn't just come one day and said, hey, this afternoon at 5 o'clock, I want you to go betray Jesus to the Pharisees. They're going to kill him. He didn't come like that. Uh, he found a, a, a hook, a door. It was called the love of money in Judas's life. And he pretty much controlled him. The Bible says Judas was a thief. He would steal from the disciples' money. And then lo and behold, one day, you know the story from last week, Mary anointed his feet. Judas got offended, and Jesus touched his money, God. And bam, he went out and he betrayed Jesus. Well, that's what happened, how he manipulates and controls people. Uh, today I want to focus on something similar, and it's temptation. The temptation of Judas was a handful of coins. It was the love of money. But temptation, by definition, is, 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 is the way that Satan wants to trick and deceive us, so we'll sin. And how many know when we sin, there's consequences in life? And Satan has bait that he wants to put in the, the trap. I'm going to talk about mice a little bit today. But he's got like this piece of cheese. Now, for me, uh, it's a sharp cheddar smoked cheese. And uh, you put that on some, uh, uh, some uh, uh, shoot, one of those crackers I ate. Huh? Yeah, Triscuits. That's my favorite. You put that on some Triscuits and you're in a good place. Well, how many know that's what the devil is? It's about the bait and the trap. Now, temptation by definition simply is an enticement. All of us in this room today have areas of our life that we're weak in. All of us have areas where Satan would like to knock on our door and he uses bait to try to get us to come into his trap. So temptation is enticing us to sin or do wrong because we hope there's some pleasure there. For the mouse, it's the taste of the cheese. We hope that there is, we'll get something that appeals to our flesh and, and, and it's bait. And I want to show you a little video of a mouse. It's not, it, don't worry, we're not going to chop his head off with this big trap. Um, but it's, it's some pretty cool uh, engineered traps, and they're going to catch mice. And what I want you to see is the mouse ignores the danger of the trap because the temptation of the bait is so strong. 
In one of them, he's literally going to walk through this thing that's going to get him around his neck. And the other one, it's pretty cool. It's a five-gallon bucket, and it's got something that kills the mice in the bottom. But across the top, it's got this uh, little aluminum uh, pole that, that spins like that when the mouse gets on it. And then he falls in the bucket, but the bait is on the middle. So it's real short, but I, 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 I think you'll uh, appreciate this. There's the bait. Oh, poor mousey. Now see all those dead mice in there? That's the consequences. There's the bait. They can't stand it. We're going to be having a memorial service for mice after the services today. Mr. Mouse saw the cheese and not the trap. And that's exactly what Satan wants to do with us. I'm going to talk about three things this morning. We're going to talk about the first temptation between Eve, Adam and Eve. But we'll see that it has a parallel in the New Testament. Jesus was tempted. The difference is Eve gave into the temptation and Jesus resisted it. And, of course, Jesus is our example. And then I've got some real practical things that we can place in our lives because nobody wants the trap to do that. Most of all, me today. No, nobody wants to get caught in the trap. That little mousey, can you imagine what he felt when that little zip tie had him around the neck? He's thinking, should listen to mama, should listen to mama. All right, we're going to get into it today. Uh, the text for the day is a New Testament passage affirming the validity of the book of Genesis. I believe the Bible is the literal and errant word of God. I don't believe the Bible is an ancient storybook filled with ancient stories and myths. I believe it was literally God inspired men to write the words. I, believe, I not only believe by faith, but have studied. There's a consistent message from Genesis to Revelation. There's themes that run throughout the pages of the Bible, and they can be trusted. The New Testament affirms the story in the book of Genesis uh, about creation and the fall. Second uh, Corinthians 11:3, Paul said, "I'm afraid that your minds will be led astray from your true and pure following of Christ." In other words, I, I'm afraid something will tempt you away from Christ. Just as, say it with me, Eve was tricked or deceived by the snake, that's the devil, with his evil ways. So I've entitled this The Tempter's Trap. And there's, in my messages, there's always one, I call it a spiritual truth. There's one central truth that I want to convey to you in the course of the message, and it's this, that Satan tries to tempt us to sin against God. We can and we must resist him. Come on, somebody give the Lord a good, a good hand today. All right, let's begin with Eve, how she lost the battle against temptation, uh, Genesis 3. When I read the Bible, I don't just read for facts. I don't just read for history. I don't just read for theology, though all that is there. I'm looking for practical application. I'm looking for the relevance of this ancient text, how it can speak to my life, how it can help me understand God's ways and have a better life. So that's what we're looking for. Genesis chapter 3, the serpent was the shrewdest, or one translation says crafty, or he was cunning, the most cunning of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. So here's this woman, Eve. It's a perfect place. There's been no problems. Uh, nobody's dead, nobody's sick, no snake bites, no ant bites. It's a, it's a perfect world. And somehow this snake is communicating with her. Now, here's a little picture here. This is from some 19th century art. 
Uh, artists have always tried to bring theology into the visual. But what, what you've got here is the Garden of Eden. You've got all the animals. Uh, you've got this tree in the center of the garden, presumably an apple tree, but whatever. It was some kind of a fruit tree. You've got innocent Adam and Eve. And uh, there's the snake, and this artist suggested that Satan, you know, maybe has little horns smiling and grinning. I don't know that he has horns. The Bible says he's an angel of light, and his ministers are angels of, of light. So one thing I want you to know, though, however Satan actually appeared, I, I've seen pictures of a snake walking with feet. Have you ever seen a little picture like that? But one thing we do know, it was not like copperheads or water moccasins today. Uh, Satan, the, his judgment for his transgression was that he would crawl on the dirt, you know, crawl on the ground in the dust like we have sea snakes today. So somehow this was the conversation going on. Uh, the book of Revelation agrees with this. Revelation 20.10, where God sees the dragon, the ancient serpent, the devil. So here's a New Testament passage affirming that this serpent and this devil were one in this temptation. Now let's look at verse 1 and, and continue as, as it, as it, uh, uh, this historical account unfolds. One day Satan asked the woman, Did God really say? Questioning God. We'll come back to that. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any trees of the garden? Eve knew this answer. Of course we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it if you do. Now, that meant is about as much to her as if you, when you told your three-year-old, let's say you got a three-year-old, loves to ride his bike, and uh, he, he's a four-year-old maybe, and he's riding his little tricycle, but he likes the street because the sidewalk goes right in the street, and he doesn't have to paddle. He doesn't get stuck in the, you know, in the mud in the yard, and you know, he doesn't ruin Dad's flowers. He can get down on that street, and he can go to little his buddy's house down the deal, but what he doesn't know is the speed limit in front of their house is 45 miles an hour. And uh, his mom tells him, said, listen, sonny, you, you, you can't do this, honey. You could get run over and you could die. And he says, yes, mommy, but he has no clue. He's just like a blind person, a person who has never seen before, and you trying to describe the color of blue to them. They have no reference point. So Eve was in her innocence. But what I want you to see, and we're going to look at several strategies that Satan had. The first strategy is he makes us question and doubt God's word. Did God really say? And for us today, it's this. Is the word of God, is the scripture really authoritative? I mean, after all, didn't evolution replace the creator? Is marriage really between a man and a woman? Uh, isn't it okay to choose my gender? I mean, we are progressives today. We're very intelligent. Um, uh, is, hell is not a real place. Now, what I just said are, are all hot-button topics out in culture. And the question is, did God really say it? And this is what you and I must decide. Uh, is, is God saying it, or is it okay to go outside the boundaries? Now, look at verse 4, what Satan said. You won't die because God knows your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. Satan's strategy number two here, he causes us to believe that God is not good. And God is withholding something good back from us. 
Here's how it works, and I share this with permission. Uh, my daughter Bethany was in the first service. Uh, she's pregnant. She's going to have a baby in July. And uh, I'm trying to get her to name her baby after me, but she just continually tells me John is not a little girl's name. <laughs> I've offered Johnita. I've offered Juanita, but I think Mia's going to win out. But uh, Bethany's testimony as a Christian is this. We raised our, our kids to, we encouraged them. I mean, everybody has free choice. We encouraged them to stay sexually pure until they were married. Married, And Bethany did that. Uh, she gave herself to her husband, you know, as the first person that had, had been intimate with her. And, uh, of course, in school, she was laughed at a little bit. In school, she was mocked a little bit. But she says, today, Dad, my old girlfriends in high school come back to me all the time and say, I wish I would have waited like you did. In other words, God, has, God is a good God. And let's, let's face it, sex is very pleasurable. But, if you, but it's intended to be in a boundary that God intended for us. And what God wants us to do, it, God says, I'll give you the best life if you stay in the boundaries. But what Satan says, God is a liar. God is holding something back from you that's good. Now, Satan, may, it may be a thought in your head. I don't know how Satan influences our thoughts, but he does. We're to, the Bible tells us to take every thought captive. He, he can influence our thoughts. It could be from a teacher at school mocking uh, sexual purity. Uh, it could be from who knows where. There's lots of places, but Satan basically comes. You're not going to die. God is not good. God's holding back something good from you. And here's the biggie. Satan blatantly negated the consequences by saying you won't die. In other words, we believe that nothing bad is going to happen if we do what we want to do. I, I, I listen to this very well done presentation this week from, from, from doctors, from uh, theologians, uh, but also from people that were living the transgender life, people that had come out of it. And I listened to this, and I walked away with two things. Number, well, Several things, but one was everybody needs to be loved. Jesus loved the tax collector and the sinner. I mean, everybody needs to be loved. But yet people are indeed confused, believing that they can change their gender and find happiness in doing that. I listen to heartbreaking stories. I listen to the failures of hormone therapy. I listen to the possibility of having a stroke when you're taking all these hormones, especially as a child. But it's out there in our culture, and Satan makes us believe that if we go outside of God's boundaries, there's going to be no consequences. Well, this is a lie. This is a lie. Satan is a liar. In John 8, Jesus speaking and said, The devil, there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a, a liar. And this next phrase, the father of lies. Lies are not just perpetuated from one devil in different places. How many know lies come today from the media? Uh, lies come today from the classroom. Uh, lies can come from a lot of different directions based on the philosophy that our culture embraces. Um, he lied, to, and, but his biggest lie was to Eve when he said she could sin without consequences. And sin, by simple definition, we don't hear the word today. I can't remember the last time I've heard it in modern TV or news. I, I, I can't remember. Sin is just not used. But sin means to do wrong. It is to disobey the commands of a loving God that are there as, as boundaries in place to keep us from falling off and, and, and our life being, being messed up a little bit. But the third thing Satan did, his strategy, he offered something that appealed to the flesh. Uh, you're going to be like God, Eve. I'll give you power. You'll have understanding. 
Um, uh, so she took the bait, and we're, we're suffering for it today. Now look at verse 6. Here's where she makes her decision. And this is what makes us different than any animals, any other living creatures, is we have this, this capacity called free will. We have the ability. We're created in the image of God. It doesn't mean that God's six foot tall balding. But what it, one of the things it means is we, are, we, as a free will moral agency, have the power to choose. And uh, the woman was convinced. In other words, and I want you to think of the words that caused her to be convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. So the cheese looks good. It appeals to something called our flesh. Notice uh, she wanted the wisdom it would give her. She's going to be as smart as God. So you know what she did? She ate it. And then she gave some to her husband. And this troubles me, who was with her. And he ate it too. Where in the world was that knucklehead when the snake was talking to her? I don't think there's a man in this room who loves his wife that would let a snake talk to your wife. Come on. <laughs> Particularly not in words like this. And Adam, the, listen, when we get to heaven, I think we ought to get Adam in a line and every one of us go by and just kind of punch his arm. I mean, I mean he, he, he's, he's the one responsible here. But notice again, Satan, in through temptation, appeals to our senses, our reason, and our desires, not God's word. Let me illustrate it a little further here with my little guy, this little rat trap here. This guy, uh, pretend this is cheese. This is this smoked cheddar, sharp cheddar cheese. But let's put it in this vernacular. You got three or four girlfriends and y'all are going to, you're going to the beach in Florida. Maybe you're going to Orange Beach and you're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, you know, you've got some money in your pocket and the kids are at home. Your husband's not at home and marriage hadn't been that great. And one of the girls wants to, you know, wants to go and have a little extra fun, a little extracurricular fun. So you pull up in the parking lot of this bar that everybody says you got to go to. And uh, as you pull up to this bar, y'all get out of the car and you start walking in and there's this guy. I mean, a 9.9, .9. he's driving a BMW, he looks fine, he's got a Rolex watch, and your old mind just gets to thinking, you know, you start to, you know, you know girls do, and, 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 and you start doing that, and he walks up to you, and your three girlfriends are looking at you, and they say, I think he wants to talk to you. He walks up to you, and in this suave little voice, he said, I'd like for you and I to be together tonight. I'd like to give you a sexually transmitted disease. <laughs> I've got three, and if you hang with me long enough, you'll get all of them. <laughs> that is not the way he comes. The car, the clothes, the words, the drinks, they're all bait. Think of that little mousy. What happened when they gave in to temptation? Look at verse 16. You know, the mouse didn't know he's going to be hung by a zip tie. All he could see is that cheese. But here's what happened in the scripture. Verse 16, God said to the woman, in pain you'll give birth. And to the man, he said, by the sweat of your brow, you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. And the Lord banished them from the Garden of Eden. A little pain for the gal, a little pain for the man. But the biggest thing is they have no relationship with God. 
This is spiritual death, separation from God, and this is, this is what happens. So here's my question. How could something that seems so good end up so bad? How could you be in the car going to Orange Beach and end up not only with a disease but an unwanted pregnancy? Come on now. How could that happen when, it all, when the cheese looked so good? I want to tell you a very simple biblical explanation. Sin has consequences. When they ate of that forbidden fruit, there were consequences. Romans 6.23, the wages or the outcome of sin is what? Is death. It's separation from God spiritually, but it's physical death and all the, you know, what happens as we go towards that place. I looked on my counter in my bathroom the other day and I thought, Lord, have mercy. I'm taking medicine for this, medicine for that, glasses because I can't see as good and this for that and all that. And I thought, I guess I'm getting old. Why is that? Why can't I just, why can't I? Why can't I just work in the yard for eight hours like I used to and then go out till 12 o'clock at night? Why can't I do that anymore? Because there's consequences to Adam and Eve's sin, and it affected the whole human race. Let me summarize this from a New Testament passage, James chapter 1. James says, temptation comes from our own desires. And here's the deal. Things that may be a temptation to you are not a temptation to somebody else. But we know the door is where he knocks. He comes from our own desires, and our desires entice us towards the bait and drag us away. It's like we can't help ourselves. But here's the the danger comes. Desire is not sin. You don't have to confess your desire to God. You pray and ask God to help you not give in to the desire. But desires give birth to sinful actions. And this is where the downward fall. When sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to what? It gives birth to divorce. It gives birth to an abortion. It gives birth to rape. It gives birth to murder. Sin, when, it's, when it completes itself. But notice, we don't have to do it. It says when we allow it to grow. What we want to do today is we want to recognize the door of temptation, and we're going to appeal to God and ask God to give us the grace to close that door. Come on before the trap gets us. Give the Lord a good hand. Let's look at Jesus now. I'm going to have to go through this quickly for time's sake. Jesus handled temptation differently. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus begins his public ministry. He's led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I believe this literally happened. Again, not a metaphor, but it literally happened. He's tempted by a real devil. Forty days, forty nights he fasted. And the biggest understatement in the Bible, he was very hungry. I would be very hungry after 40 days and 40 nights, too. How many are are very hungry after four hours between lunch and dinner? Yeah. So Satan comes at the weakest moment. And during that time, the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God. Doesn't that sound a lot like, did God really say? If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Doesn't that sound like the delicious fruit that appealed to her senses? Uh, and Jesus told him what? No, no. The scriptures say, and what did Jesus appeal to the Bible, the word of God? He quotes Deuteronomy. People don't live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So what I want you to know is Satan tempts us at our weakest moment. You know, let's say, uh, let's say uh, uh, you've got bills that are due. They're piling up. You don't have enough money to pay them. Vacation's around the corner. And a friend comes to you and gives you a scheme whereby you can defraud the government or you can take advantage of someone and get money illegally. I just read my paper this week, top, uh, top article about several guys in federal court that had, uh, had uh, stolen from at Red River. 
I'm telling you, he comes at your weakest moment. But he doesn't stop. Look at verse 5. This is one after another. Then the devil took him to the highest point of the temple. Now, I don't know if he literally transported him or, or if he showed him a vision. I don't know what it was. But he said this, if you're the son of God, jump off. And then what I want you to see is the devil is quoting scripture. The devil said, for the scriptures say, he'll order his angels to protect you and they'll hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. The devil, he didn't quote a scripture, he misquoted probably Psalm 91. So even as a Christian, sometimes we will make decisions based on a faulty interpretation of the Bible. This is why discernment is so important. This is why we want to ask the Holy Spirit to, to guide us. But let me tell you this. If I'm deceived, what I think is the Holy Spirit may not be the Holy Spirit. And this is a reality. This is why I'm telling you why this is so important. Before we make these big decisions, ask a trusted, mature Christian friend. Don't ask your best friend, maybe. Ask, ask an elder, a pastor, ask someone that's a, that's a senior person that you just know that they've walked with God for a long time. They don't even have to have a position, but they have a reputation of being godly and mature. Ask that person, submit it to them, and it might solve a lot of pain. Just a little extra there. Uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus responded to the devil again. He said, the scriptures or the Bible says, you must not test the Lord. So what Satan was doing is he was trying to manipulate him into being presumptuous with his faith. His faith. And the very next temptation, the last one, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain. He probably drove him up there in his brand new Toyota 4Runner, if you could find one. I don't know how he did it. He said, he said I'll give it to you. Again, it could have been a vision or a transport. But I want you to kneel down and worship me. And then what did Jesus say? Don't say it out loud. Get out of here, Satan. Get out. He, he, the conversation stopped and he said, get out. And again, he quoted scripture. The scriptures say you must worship the Lord and serve him only. So does that sound kind of like what uh, Satan offered Eve? You're going to get wisdom beyond your years. You're going to be like God. Uh, you're going to get power. You're going to get glory. Jesus if you'll just worship me, you'll get power. You'll get glory of these kingdoms. There's nothing new with him. But here's what I want you to see. The devil finished speaking to Jesus. He left until and the next opportunity came. Which means this. He's relentless. It, it, listen, if you're not doing anything for God, if you're not really serving the Lord and, you know, a Christian in what we might say name only, the devil's not going to bother you. He's already got you. But if you're living strong for God... He'll come after you. And this is what the Bible says. This is how you can fight back. He is relentless. He keeps coming, but we must keep resisting. And we're going to see what Jesus did each time. Jesus didn't hit him with his fist. Jesus didn't yell at him. Jesus quoted the Bible. He quoted God's authoritative word. And how many believe if it worked for Jesus, it'll work for us? Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand. Now, let me take the next few minutes, and let me give you five practical ways that we can overcome temptation. And this, this will help you. You can write it down, or, you know, our notes, these exact notes are published online. A lot of people download them on their iPad, bring their iPad to church or their phone. But here's the first one. It's the example of Jesus. We overcome temptation with the Word of God. 
Remember what Jesus said all three times. It is written. It is written. It is written. So is that the only time this is referenced? No. The book of Ephesians, Paul says this. Remember when he talks about the spiritual armor? Put on all of God's armor so you can stand against all the strategies of the devil. Well, all the armor, the, the, the head covering, head plate of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, your loins are girt with truth. Well, guess what those are all? They're all defensive armor pieces to protect you from attack. But there is one offensive weapon. He says, verse 17, take the, what's it say? Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And you say, what do you do with it? You pray it, you declare it, and you confess it. In other words, in your prayers, you're praying the Word of God. Now listen, you, don't, you probably don't want to say, get behind me, Satan, if you're in a, a, a meeting at work and people are all gathered around, okay? Just out of the blue, you pop off, get, you probably don't want to do that there. But when you're by yourself... When you're thinking about this and it's driving you nuts and you've just fallen again or whatever the case is, may not be a bad time to say, Satan, I recognize this is you and you're not going to win this thing against me. I love my wife and I'm not going after anybody else's wife. Come on. These confessions, these declarations uh, have power because Satan backed up every time the Word of God. Doesn't the Bible say in Hebrews that the Scripture, the Word of God, is sharp and living like a two-edged sword? Yeah, that's the first thing is, is the Word of God in your life. That's why daily Bible reading is so important. That's why going to classes is so important. That's why I spend so much of my time not trying to entertain you and make you laugh, but teach you the Bible because it's God's Word. Let me give you the second one. It seems obvious, but it's, it's, it's pretty big. We overcome temptation with prayer. Now, what is prayer? Prayer is appealing to God to make a connection to heaven. Prayer is trying to get you from where you are, and it's trying to find strength and power to get to where God, you know, you, the Lord wants you to be. Remember the Lord's Prayer? I pray the Lord's Prayer every day, but it's not just a 30-second repetition. It's like steps that I'm climbing up a ladder. Uh, and here's one of them in the Lord's Prayer. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the... So in your prayer, I do this every day because I know where I'm weak. You say, I wonder where he's weak. None of your business. Where are you weak? <laughs> but I prayed every day. I walk around in my little prayer walk that I have. I, 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 I actually like, I like to walk and pray, and I walk around my driveway. It's quiet. It's private. And I walk and pray, and I pray every day, Lord, keep me from the tempter's snare. Lord, you know where I'm weak, and I, I, I call heaven down to me. Uh, here's the third thing, and I, I, I don't know if you've ever thought of this. I'll say it this way. Look for the way out and take it. Now, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, God will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Now, that sounds like a great precious promise to me, that God will never let me be tempted in something that, I, that, that is too strong for me. It might pull me over. It might almost make me touch the ground. But somehow I'm going to be able to bounce back. God will protect me that much. But notice what it says. When, not if, when you're tempted, God will show you a... A way out so you can do what? Endure. God will show you a way out. Now, let me say this. Ways out are not easy because a lot of times we don't want a way out. We want a way to indulge. But when I decide I want a way out, let me tell you some things that I found are very helpful. Confess your struggles to a trusted friend. And I'll be very vulnerable in this. About 15 or 20 years ago, 
I felt an attraction growing towards a woman that was not my wife. And it gratified my flesh. Uh, and, and, And it's like I just kind of kept it in the dark for a while. I never met this person. I mean, I never met him face to face. I never went on a date. I never went to dinner with him, anything like that. But it was kind of inside. You know, that's where the dark. And finally, I just said, you know what? Satan's trying to destroy me. I'm not going to let him do it. And I did, I did two things. First, I, I've been confessing to God, but I confessed to my wife. Now, you may not be able to do that. I don't know what kind of relationship you have, but I told her, honey, I'm weak and I'm struggling. There's someone I'm attracted to, and I want you to pray for me. And I'm sharing this with permission today. And believe me, buddy, she did. And she made sure I was never alone with that woman. (laughs) But let me tell you the third thing that I did. Uh, Does anyone remember uh, Doc Lacey, Pastor Lacey? Uh, Very great, great Christian man, leader, pastor. He was a member of our church for a number of years. And we had a pastor's prayer meeting every, every week. And he and I got there at the same time. and, And this was like kind of at a pinnacle. And I said, Pastor, I need you to pray with me today, and I'm going to share something in confidence. I'm having a struggle. I feel an attraction towards someone. I hadn't crossed any lines, but I want you to pray for me that this thing would break. And I want to tell you, when I humbled myself and I told a mature Christian friend about my struggles, that thing, it lost its energy. It's like letting the air out of a tire. I mean, it just like, it just like took, it took, it took it all out. And guess what? It lifted. It lifted. I'm telling you, a way out for some of us could be confessing to a trusted friend. Now listen to me. Particularly if you have feelings for children, this whole sexual molestation. You can get out of jail in a couple years if you rape or murder somebody. But if you molest a child, you're going to spend the rest of your days in a Texas jail. I'm just telling you now. And if pornography is the door that you have opened and Satan is coming in that door, pornography will never leave you where it starts. It will always take you to something worse and more perverse. And if it takes you to a child, I would get some help before something happens. It is too late after something happens because everybody has a, has a legal obligation to report you. I would go and I would get some help. Now, that's just extra not planned. Just throwing that out there. Uh, let me give you a good preventative. Stay away from tempting situations. For example, let's say you used to struggle with alcohol. When I was a, a teenager in my late teens, everywhere I went, I had, uh, I had beer in, in, in my car. Uh, anybody say, me too? The rest of you, what would you have, a fifth under the seat? I mean. <laughs> if you struggle with alcohol and you go to eat, let's say you go to Applebee's and it's full, and the waitress says, well, you can sit at the bar, you know, I can get you a burger, I can get you served at the bar. I wouldn't do it. If you want to stay in victory, stay away. Stay away from tempting situations. Remember what Joseph, in the Old Testament story, Joseph and, and, and Potiphar's wife? Joseph was promoted to the, to, he ran Potiphar's household. The only problem, though, this woman had the hots for him. And uh, she kept coming after him and, 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 and trying to get him to sleep with her. And he would say no. And finally, one day, he made a mistake. He went in the house, and there was nobody else there but Potiphar's wife. And she came up to him, and I don't know what she did or said, but, but she came up to him, and maybe she said, Joseph, you have such big muscles. And I have this ache in my shoulder. Would you just rub it a little bit? Here, let me just move my jacket. 
just a little. Joseph, that shirt's scratchy. Would you just... Now, let me tell you what Joseph did. He ran. And that's a good thing. So, if most people are not going to run. Most people are going to just get in that rat trap. But Joseph ran. He had something about him there. And she got mad and told her husband, he tried to rape me. It's true. And her husband got mad and threw him in prison. But you know what God did to the person who did right? He, he stayed there for a couple years. But one day Pharaoh had a dream and they got Joseph out of prison to interpret the dream. And that very day, Joseph is the vice president of Egypt. I want to tell you, if you do right, even when it's hard, sooner or later, those blessings are just going to overtake your life. Come on, give the Lord a big hand. I'm going to close with this. Go to God's gym every day for spiritual weightlifting. You say, what are you talking about there, preacher? Glad you asked. Galatians 6 verse 7 says, a man reaps what he sows. What does that mean? There's consequences for actions. It works in all of life. If you save money, you'll have money one day. If you don't save money, you won't have money one day. I mean, it just works in life. If all you do is eat ribs and fried food, one day you're going to have a heart problem, okay? You reap what you sow. The ribs every once in a while are good for you. Uh, if you plant to satisfy your sinful self, your sinful self will bring you ruin. What does that mean? If you turn that TV on or that computer and you watch that porn, it will, that's what you're sowing, you're going to reap it. Uh, how about your friends? If you're hanging out with the wrong people that are trying to get you to do the wrong thing, that's what you're planting and that's what you'll reap. But if you plant to please the Spirit, you'll receive eternal life from the Spirit. So what does this have to do with God's gym? A daily quiet time every day where you go to be with God and you lift weights in prayer, in reading the Bible, listen to some Christian music, and you just do this every day of your life. And what you're going to find out is you're going to find that your flab is going to start getting hard. You're going to find that you're going to start looking good, and you don't need that medium shirt anymore. You need a large. Come on now, because your muscles are growing. And your spiritual muscles are the same thing. If you will exercise them in prayer, if you'll exercise them in Bible reading, if you'll exercise them in worshiping the Lord, if you'll turn the trash off the radio and put K-Love or Christian music on, I'm telling you, friend, you will get strong. And when you're strong, you can do what Jesus did. Get out of here, Satan. I don't want anything to do with you. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more, no more. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet here? We're going we're gonna to close in prayer, and I'm going to dedicate a baby, too. And uh, I, I, we'll dismiss in just a second. But I want us to pray right now. I, I, I want you to bow your head. And, uh, I, I, and let me say this. My prayer is not going to help you any here. This has to be your prayer. But I want us first to pray that God would help us to recognize temptation. That mouse did not recognize the bait. I want you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, help me recognize what Satan's doing in my life. Not only help me recognize it, but help me resist it. Help me to stop going through that same door, even though nothing bad's happened. Today I want to pray, and here's the second prayer. Change my desires. I ask you to forgive me, God.
because I have sinful desires and I act on them. But I'm asking you to change my desires. Go ahead. You've got to pray this. Say, God, give me godly desires. Give me godly desires. And the third thing, let's recommit ourselves to prayer. Recommit ourselves to going to God's gym. Membership is free, but the benefits are out of this world. I want you right now just say, Lord, help me. Help me get in and stay in the habit of reading my Bible every day. Help me get in the habit of praying every day. And if I miss a day, that's okay because I'm going to start the next one. And if I got up late and I didn't get to pray at home, I'm going to turn the radio off or the podcast off and I'm going to pray in the car on the way to work. But every day, Lord, I want to do something to make myself spiritually stronger. Because when my life is over and you and I look and see each other for the first time, I want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen. Give the Lord one more good hand today. Praise the Lord. Well, I'll go ahead and dedicate the baby right now. If you, if you can hang on just a minute or two. It's not that late. How are you? What's this, what's this little guy's name? Nakoma. And y'all's names? Jordan. 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 Haley. Haley. Reckon he let me hold him? I hadn't held a little bitty baby in a long time. Nakoma. Nakoma. About 18 years, I'll introduce you to little Mia. You know, the Bible says that God knows the moment we were conceived. Did you know conception takes place between the sperm and an egg? Science has recorded there's a flash of light. There's a flash of energy. The spark began. And this little baby was more than just mom and dad coming together. This is a creation of God. And the Bible says our days are marked out before one of them comes to pass. So maybe our greatest parenting ambition is to raise our child to know the Lord and then help him find God's destiny for his life. The greatest gift you can give this little baby is that you love each other. Because the loudest sermon he'll ever hear won't be from me. It'll be from you. It'll be from family on the stage. It'll be from friends. And he'll need you. Because everything out in the world is trying to pull him away from God. Even the cartoons he'll watch. He knows it. He's seen them. Even the cartoons have ungodly themes. And somehow you want to teach him how to love people but still walk in truth. Yeah. Well, Lord, lift your hands towards this family now. God, today, as we dedicate this child to the Lord, it's a sacred act. One day when this little guy is, who knows, it could be 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, he's going to say, Mama, I, I, I want to be a Christian. I want to follow and serve Jesus. He'll get baptized. But, Lord, we dedicate this boy to you. We pray that every good plan that God has intentioned from the day of his birth, the day of his conception, would happen. I pray, God, that there would always be love in the home. I pray, God, that at nighttime and bedtime, we'd read fun stories about dinosaurs, but the most important story is the story of the Bible. And I 
pray, Lord, that at an early age he would find a great love for God. But I just bless this family and we bless this little boy in Jesus' name. And everybody said, he's a handsome little guy. Now remind me in 18 years, okay, and I'll, I'll introduce him to, to me. Give them a big hand. It's a beautiful old baby. God bless you guys. We're so happy for you. with us and for everyone else you can be dismissed at any time and we pray that you have a blessed day.